Welcome to the Utah Jazz Podcast, whose average height is about right to play center for the Jazz um, these days. I'm Mark. We haven't done a pod in a while, but Doug, just seeing you there, it feels like yesterday. How's it going, man? I'm good. Uh, you know, just surviving, trying to avoid all of this um, COVID variant stuff and, and enjoy jazz basketball, which has both been pretty difficult the past couple of weeks. <laughs> so you, you've been to a few games since we last <laughs> talked. So I'm excited to get some of that perspective. But yeah, the um, the world's a dumpster fire. The jazz of late have, have been a dumpster fire. And that, that's kind of what this podcast is about. We're, we're here to talk about hot button issues, like whether cloth masks are still worth it, whether masks are worth it at all, critical race theory, um, you know, just if climate change is a thing, and, and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Kind of all the things that if you just bring up at, at Thanksgiving or at a holiday party, you can get firmly two camps on one side of the room and, and really get pissed at each other. And to do that, um, we brought long running bit, but every day I believe it more and more with my heart. My brother separated at birth and uh, our third of, of the twos and threes, perhaps uh, can, can we, we're going to claim you because it's our podcast as a, as a third Hensy, but it's Logan Cox, our friend. What's up, man? How's it going? I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. And I, yes, I do consider this an audition to become a, you know, a, a semi-consistent contributor to the twos and threes. We'll see how well this goes, but I also think it's appropriate that if you're going dumpster fire that you want to bring me in. It's it is kind of my brand in a way, but you know the shoes are the, the shoes are big here. I mean, we're talking about Blue Edwards, we're talking about Travis L, we're talking about you know most importantly Father of the Pod. So it's it's a little more scary and intimidating to be sitting yeah. in the seat. But they've set the bar so high, so I just hope to you know achieve thirty percent of what they did, and it'll be a success in my eyes. You're our five tool player, man. We want a little bit of all of those people out of you. You're kind of like the mythical Harrison Barnes trade that I think everybody wants or something. Yeah, just maybe call you... me the Black. Well, maybe you can't call me the Black Falcon, but, you know, <laughs> it'll be fine somewhere in that area. Um, important to note that you are um, a host or one of the mainstays on the granddaddy of them all when it comes to the Jazz Pod co-op hitting the high notes. Um, one of my favorite jazz podcasts. I'll just say my favorite one that's not this one. And um, so we've done crossover pods before. I've been on your guys a couple of times and uh, finally... As much as we love who and Jared, we, we needed to pull you away and uh, get you get you to speak your truth on some important topics. So, I mean, the lead in is this. You and I have been texting about this kind of on and off for a little while and been wanting to talk about it. Um, I think anybody who's listened to this podcast before kind of knows somewhat what I think about Rudy Gobert. I, I think we've uh, we've talked about it before as like our podcast started as, as a love letter to Rudy. Um, and me just like doing long monologues about how he was so much better than everybody else thought. And it just feels like in the two and a half years or whatever it's been since we started, the conversations really evolved. So I guess I would say if anybody is like as a baseline, please go back and listen to two and a half years worth of podcast to know where I'm starting from talking about this dude. Uh, but there's been some kind of funny Rudy Gobert stuff of, of late in jazz world. And it's kind of turned, um, like jazz Twitter into rivalry Twitter with like um, Don and Rudy camps and this, that, or the other. And I think we were feeling some frustration that it's kind of hard to, it's, it's kind of hard to tweet about Rudy. It's like, it's like tweeting about vaccine skepticism. Like I was saying, it's like, 
I, I'm vaccine, vaccinated, boosted, and yet at the same time was a little nervous about whether or not it was right to get my kids a vaccine as soon as they became available, which we did. But like, if I were to say that on Twitter, I would be immediately lynched and mobbed. And that's kind of like saying, hey, maybe Rudy Gobert shouldn't have said the thing that he said the other day. But I don't know, that's kind of where it's coming from. I mean, I think the quick hot uh, recap, if, if you've not been around, Rudy tested positive again for COVID. The world kept turning, um, but the Jazz uh, rotation didn't much. And uh, since they've, lo- they've been like one in four, they've, or their net rating is like minus 11 million and uh, they've sucked. And then um, recently Rudy coming back kind of in an interview um, pointed out that they'd sucked uh, and said a lot of things everybody's been saying, we need to defend better the Warriors and the Suns seem to do it better. And then made this, you know, what feels like a pointed remark about how great of a defender Devin Booker is. Um, and, how trying. <laughs> and I guess, look, Logan, what is a, let's maybe just start with the Rudy quote um, and that, that interview. Like, what did you think about that? Yeah, I, I also think it's just funny, like, you know, and, and you do it on your pod because I think that Twitter has infiltrated our life so much that we feel like we have to justify our previous stance on someone before we offer any sort of non-unwavering support, right? So I guess it's criticism, but criticism feels like it's a terrible word these days, but I guess it is criticism. So it is funny we have to, like, put our put our position out there. Yet, yeah, You know, I, I've been loving Rudy for two and a half years, so just understand <laughs> that I'm not a hater, but it, it's just, it is just weird, and it is complicated, and it's gotten to the point where at least for me on Twitter, I'm going on a mini rant. I apologize. I was, I was going to try not to do that on your show, but, um, you know, I, I try not to, I can't even really engage in many sports takes because the characters aren't there. The emotion isn't there. And it's become such a weird place that everything's more like just humor and pocket jokes and things like that, because it just, it's too hard to, it's too hard to evaluate it. And I, and I did see the thread, um, that you found with Rudy's comments. Um, I, 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 and I have been thinking about it a lot and it kind of evolved even up until this morning. And what's interesting about Rudy is, you know, I don't, you know, some people have pointed out, would we be, would we be more happy with him saying, them saying nothing and saying it's going to be fine? I don't think so. I think we'd be bothered by that too. So it's like this catch 22 of like, what is the right answer? Because if they said everything's fine, we'd be like, Hey, you know, you know, that's BS. Like you're not playing well, but I think, I think the Devin Booker part was really unnecessary. And we all know what that meant. Like if, if you're, if you're telling me you don't see that, that parallel, you're just, you're, you're intentionally living with your head in the sand. So I felt that part to be unnecessary, but it kind of took me to a different place with Rudy and, and maybe the jazz on the whole is just what is, what is the leadership? And I guess maybe in the next couple of days, we're going to find out because, you know, Don called him out a few days ago. They called him, he called himself out Quinn Snyder. I don't know what he, he does and doesn't do things, but it's just, it's interesting because, I guess that's what I, I feel like Rudy at times wants to be the leader. And I don't always know that everyone is as willing to follow him. Does that make sense? Like, I think he's saying the right things and everyone's motivated differently. I'm not the guy who's motivated by calling me out. It's never worked for me. I've never been motivated by the dad who wants to tear you down. And he never told me he loved me, but I know he did. Like that doesn't work for me. Like I need like positive reinforcement and pats on the back. Like, you know, that's just the way I'm wired. And I think that Rudy tries to lead. And at times it just, I, I don't know how well it sits. It feels like every time we have these comments that obviously it hasn't changed the culture in the last few years. And I hope that I'm not jumping too far ahead into this, but that's what I was thinking about um, with Draymond Green, because there's been a lot of comps to come up to him with him, right? Because he's now, you know, God forbid he, he'd be challenging defensive player of the year award. So we have to, we have to tear him down and 
Yeah. You know what's interesting about – I don't think as an individual player, we all understand that Rudy physically as a defensive player is phenomenal, and he's a much better physical player than Draymond Green is. There's no debating that, and, I, and I'm not going to debate that. I don't think there's anyone in the world who physically can do the things that Rudy can do. The difference is, as Jazz fans – and as we've seen on the court is Rudy is great for covering up our mistakes. That's kind of our go-to. He makes everything look a lot better, right? The difference in my opinion is Draymond makes the rest of his team better. He makes, and, and not even necessarily on the court, like the way he's, he's motivated and led them in a way to where they're all playing defense all the time, because Draymond physically is not a force. He's physically very, I mean, he's, he's got the backpack on his back. He's like six foot three you know, 200, 200 pounds. It's just, yeah. it's an interesting, as I was thinking about those comments and thinking about that, it's just, I, I hope that this is maybe the time that it takes because it feels like we've had these conversations before and it takes for a little bit. And I think the bigger picture with Rudy and the jazz is it has to take. And what, what can Rudy do that instead of looking at Rudy as a guy who covers up all of our flaws, how is Rudy someone who lifts the play of everybody else and lifts it by making them want to play defense and want to participate and doing what they're supposed to and not just lifting their play because he lets them, you know, all flow to him. So I don't have that thought fully developed yet because it just hit me this morning, but it's just, it was an interesting, I guess, back and forth as I was thinking about Rudy and the differences between the comments. Cause the comments don't mean anything to me. Like they don't mean yeah. anything. We've, we've been down this road. Rudy's pretty famous for probably four times a year popping, you know, saying something, which is fine. Right. I don't have a problem with it, but it, until it does something the same and the same goes for Don until, it, until, until it, you do something, I'm, I'm really kind of indifferent on that's, I guess where I get most frustrated. I want it to, I want it, I want it to take, I want it. I do want it to take. So how do we make it take? Yeah, man. You said several things that I want to touch on there. First off was the whole parenting philosophy thing. I was thinking about this, about the wonder years the other day and like how like the idealized eighties dad, I mean, that took place earlier was like, the mean guy you were afraid of, but later on you you realized that he he molded you. And that uh, I've been wondering if I need to be a little more of that dad. Um, but <laughs> that's a topic for another time. But no, I'm with you. I, I mean, that's for the so next go, podcast when we talk about yeah, to go all the media, way and media members. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To go all the way back to the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Is like my his quote, and I was trying to say this on Twitter. Is like the thing he said about Devin Booker. I just don't like that shit. I don't like that stuff. Sorry. Um, and I. Uh, I don't, I just, that's not my leadership style. So I, I've, I guess I wanted to, especially cause I'm such a Rudy Homer all the time, be honest and say, oh, I don't like that stuff. I don't think it's like destroy the team, but I just thought it was funny that people then reacted as like, my favorite GIF on all of Twitter is the one I use every time someone mentions Gordon Hayward, um, which is the thing from Westworld where he's like, doesn't look like anything to me. And that's, that's literally like people are reading it. Devin Booker doesn't look like anything to me. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like he clearly, everybody compares Donovan to Devin Booker. Mm -hmm. It'd just be like Donovan saying, you know, something about Miles Turner like that or somebody. I mean, it's just uh, obvious. Cat or something. Like yeah, that. or Carl Anthony Towns. And so yeah. it's like not the end of the world, um, but it's just funny that it's the camps were either we're never going to win a championship with Rudy Gobert. Like this was like the, how the conversation evolved out of this. We're never going to win a championship with Rudy Gobert or Rudy was speaking truth to power. <laughs> and like, he's the only voice of reason and we need to, and I thought that was kind of wild, but I want to come back to your point on Draymond. Cause I think that's so good, but Doug, what did you, what did you think on the quote? Uh, did this bother you? I mean, you're kind of a, I'm going to call people out to their face kind of a guy. That, that's me to a T. Yeah. Um, no, just kidding. I don't know. I feel like, 
the quote in general, like you both have said, um, like the Devin Booker thing is weird and Jordan Clarkson and a quote afterwards, like took offense to that where like Rudy didn't talk about a front court guy. Like it was kind of a pointed comment, obviously, but in a way I, I almost feel like, like you said, Logan, like there's a, there's a Rudy comment like this, this time, every season, every season, right? Um, and that's just kind of how he is, kind of his personality to where maybe he's not really galvanizing the troops, but he's trying to in a way. Um, I mean, I, I kind of think it's getting overblown slightly. I was looking back through Twitter and this will no longer be my social media moment, but the, I was looking at an old tweet and it was from a month ago. It was December 15th. So the world was a little bit brighter. Um, in jazz world around December 15th. And it was from Tiffany Don, um, Tiffany with two E's. And it's a picture of Donovan with his arms around Rudy and Mike. And it was like, and she says, rewatching the end of the game. And I noticed this shot. Um, what an amazing time to be a jazz fan and have these three leading our team. Don't take this time for granted. <laughs> and it's just like, <clears throat> I don't know, like the, the ebbs and flows of, of, of Twitter and of, of our emotions and what um, media we take in. I don't know. I, I honestly, I think like, we'll see, hopefully this does like light a fire under, under their belly or whatever that saying is, but because I think um, they need to step up their it, perimeter do you light defense. A fire under, do you light a fire under a belly? Do you light a fire under a I think it's a little further south is where I, I want to <laughs> I think I'm lighting a fire under my belly is a strategy I'm trying in 2022 to see if it will just like retreat a little bit and recess. But, um, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, look, uh, hopefully the fire is lit in the uh, fire in a belly. I think that's maybe a saying. I'll go to what Logan was saying about Draymond because I think that's a really great point. And it's one of the things I want to talk about because. I think this this whole quote in the media, look, I mean, we've all been over and around this a million times. Rudy kind of bugs a, a couple of the guys. I think they get over it. Um, Donovan said stuff that's bothered him. I mean, it's there's been subtweets. There's been overt tweets. And like the history of basketball with this is, right? I mean, Ke Ke LeBron telling Kevin Love to fit out in when he said he was going to fit out and like Kobe and whatever. There's a million people. Um, but the, yeah, the, the NBA is definitely littered with it. I mean, the Kobe yeah. Shaq thing is a whole different route. And then everywhere LeBron has been, he, you know, Kyrie forces as well. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not unique or special to the jazz. It's, it's, it's not, it's just, I guess we're not used to it. So we don't know how to handle it. Yeah. And I think right? it's like, we just had dudes who historically when the jazz were good, that were quiet with the media and social media yeah. wasn't a thing when carl malone was angry was it was it larry miller not stockton so it's a different yeah. point. or if he was angry at stockton we just didn't hear about it because yeah i'm like, sure I, i'm sure those two didn't always get along <laughs> no for sure i mean that that you know we're hesitant to shout out a non-jazz pod co-op thing but david Locke, the one the best thing that he's done in my opinion was this oral history of the 92 season and it was funny to listen to the interviews back then because everybody was pissed at everybody like the whole season and it was kind of the catalyst season for the run of the nineties. Um, and that's just how it goes. Like dudes get mad. You get, you know, you're not always happy with your coworkers, but the, the troubling thing, and I let's maybe talk about this some more is how bad they've been without Rudy. I mean, if the jazz win, none of this stuff happens, nobody cares. I think I like, 
I've gone on and this kind of bums me out, but, or has bummed me out because I've liked this version of the team so much after years that weren't that fun to watch, but it's sort of at the bubbling point with this team and it's becoming a little less fun. And it sort of is, I mean, this is not an original thought, but if they don't like make the Western conference finals and I think have a strong showing there, everything's on the table with this team, especially with friggin' Danny Ainge in a board, like Rudy could be gone. Who knows? Like, I'm not saying that will happen. Um, so at the same time, it's like they're either going to get it together and win or not. So the more interesting point about Rudy and about the last couple of weeks is what's the deal with how bad they suck without him? And is it what you're saying? I think that Draymond point was really good. Like the Warriors without Draymond have kind of had some mixed results this season, but they beat us in Utah. Um, they had a big loss to the Bucks the other day, but like is – what do you like Rudy comes back. He's going to cover up a lot of holes. We would have won most of these games. We just lost if he was playing. Um, I thought the Denver game was pretty inspiring basketball without him and everything else has been a dumpster fire. Do you, what do you think to your point earlier, Logan? I mean, do you think um, like, is the, is the structural problem with the jazz? Not that Rudy's not great. It's that they've built the team to rely on him too much. And he hasn't, his greatness on defense hasn't infected anybody else. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that kind of hits it dead on. And I think that's, I, I try to, I have to rephrase my thought process when I make it Rudy criticism, because I think there's a validity to a lot of the criticism and I don't necessarily, it, it's got to be rephrased. It's not Rudy criticism, it's system criticism, because I think they've built enti an entire structure around a guy that's very unique to a, a obviously a very special skill set, And it's just, it, 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 it is so it is so heavily structured around him, especially defensively. And it is it is just a bummer. It was it was that 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 Nuggets game was so fun because they just figured out a way to win. And you saw Bo, you saw Bogey doing things he doesn't normally do. You saw Rudy Gay doing things he doesn't normally do. We saw lineups we didn't normally see because we know we have a lot of talent. And that's the frustrating part is, you know, as far as a, a fully talented roster, I don't know the Jazz have ever had a better roster top to bottom as far as guys who can do things. And so I think they get pigeonholed into these roles. And it was cool to see them come out and do it against the Nuggets team that, yes, granted, shorthanded, but they still have a, you know, MVP candidate or MVP, uh, you know, reigning MVP on their team. So that, I think that's why it was such a bummer to watch them lay an egg three times in a row after that. The, the Cavs game was like the breaking point for me to where I just kind of snapped, even though I knew we probably wouldn't win that game. And I was actually the good team in the stretch. But it was this culmination of things like we should have beat those other teams. Like we should have beat them yeah. with or without. And that's. That's that's the frustrating part, and the, I think that's I think that goes back to your main point, Mark. And the, it, it, it it's so strange because from what I've read, and I'm not a I'm not a Quinn Snyder historian, so you guys please correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is is it, it's just, it's so strange to go from when the Jazz were the team on the rise a few years ago it was we were a defensive minded team who didn't have any offense, right? That's what all of it was, and now we've flipped the script to where we're an offensive team that can't find any defense. And my understanding was is that Quinn was always an offensive-minded coach anyways, and he wanted an offensive team, but he was gifted this Rudy Gobert and these perimeter defenders, and that's what he rolled with. So, you know, kudos to him for adapting. But it's just it, – it's a very unique system, which is kind of the whole Rudy argument in a, in a nutshell, but not in a nutshell, is he's not your traditional superstar, but we have a system in place that's very analytically leaning and, 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 and relies so much on him that you've put – Yes, it, we all understand if LeBron and Giannis go out, they're not going to be title contenders. I, I, I get that. I'm not saying – and Rudy falls in the same category. But it just becomes so peculiar because what he does is not what the traditional 
NBA fan views as the centerpiece of a team. And so it does get frustrating. It feels like they should be able to step up. And it's not as though when I think I'm losing LeBron or when I'm losing Giannis or I'm losing um, Luca, my fear is I'm losing playmaking and losing offensive ability, right? I'm, I'm losing the person who runs the team because I, I'm self-admittedly not understanding defense. And I'm trying to understand it better mostly because I just hate defense. I think it's boring. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I just think that so much of so much of defense is effort-based. Effort I understand there's some yeah, athleticism yeah. to it, but it's like it's like 95% effort. These guys are all athletic enough. They can do it. They just choose not to. So it's just so backwards to think about like, we can't survive because our guys can't step up and they stepped up in Denver and to their credit, even though I lost my mind against the Cavs, I think they stepped up against the Cavs too. But the yeah. problem was it was just like this culmination of three years of nonsense to where like we were just lashing out, even though that may have not been true. So um, it's just, it's just, it's just very peculiar because it seems like it's the thing that it seems like it's something we should be able to replicate and duplicate easier than what we do. It's not easy to replicate LeBron's ability, Luca's abilities, their vision, their 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 feel for the game. Those are things that you can't replicate. I understand people falling off. We should be able to replicate defense. And so that's that's frustrating where I, I just I guess starting to question the entire infrastructure of the system. So it's I went I think I went a thousand different ways there. I don't know if I went anywhere else. Man alive, you went every way I wanted you to go. Um, oh, that was awesome. But that but there there is a lot to unpack there. And at the end though, like the Cavs game. If the Cavs game was the only one, it like honestly wouldn't have bugged me that much. I thought in the first half in particular was about as well as that group without Rudy has, has fought defensively. And, and they kind of hung in. And then the, the offense just died in the third quarter. And I guess this is part of the weird Rudy conversation too to what you're saying is that I've, it feels like it's the same contingent to me. And maybe it's a mix of voices and I'm painting with too broad a brush, but that's like Rudy's a top 10 player. Rudy's a top five player. Rudy is a superstar. That's also then Rudy goes out and it's like, well, we still need to be able to win without Rudy. And these guys are a bunch of bums. And like when John was out, Carl, they, they could still win a little bit or this, that, or the other. Draymond's out. And it's like, to your point, I, he's not, he's not LeBron. I think we can all agree with that. Even the craziest Rudy, Rudy stance. He's not in the LeBron, Giannis. And now, and this was hard for me for a while to admit, just because he bugs the hell out of me so much. He's not in Jokic's league um, yeah. either. I mean, those guys are the most valuable thing in the NBA, in my opinion, is late game offensive creation in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's the type of thing that kind of separates tiers. It's not the only thing. The defense is really valuable. Um, it's, the, it's the single most, though. Like, I think that gets overblown. And I think that, 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 that you, you summed it up perfectly. You said it much better. But I think that the regular season is something, the playoffs is something. But at the end of the day, the all-time greatest moments in championship history are not someone making defensive plays. It's, it's creating offense when everyone knows you're going to be the one creating the offense. Anyways, yeah, I think that yeah, is – Yeah, they are. And, and, and even in the playoffs, at the end of games, Rudy is amazing. Like, he is a system of defense. And I've tried to remind myself a bunch of times this season to not take for granted how often he guards two guys at the same time because it's freaking incredible. And when you watch it, it's incredible that he can do that. But also – at the end of games, the defensive plays that do stand out often are a dude locking up a dude. And it's like, we're, I mean, that's why I like the comparison to Lamar Jackson a little bit or to like, I, I would, I don't know if I've heard, of, maybe this is just in my head to a Peyton Manning where it's like, it raises the system up, but is he going to make the play at the end? And I got into a weird place with Rudy 
um, stands about this on Twitter a little earlier. And I am the Rudy stand. Like, again, I love Rudy. And I, once again, I have to do the dumb thing where I qualify. But I think a tough thing is to your question before, like, what's the difference in those categories? I, he has been good in the playoffs. I think we in Utah Jazzland push against the, the arguments, the narratives around him. And I feel like the national media, for whatever it's worth, the Zach Lowe's of the world have come around on this too this year. And I think everybody concedes that he was play, him being played off the floor against the Clippers is a misstatement. He was fine, but they, they put him in the corner. They got him off the ball and everybody else was barbecue chicken and he wasn't, wasn't good enough to win. So my, my point has always kind of been as a Rudy fan who actually really does believe he's one of the most impactful players and up in the upper echelon, at least the top 15 or so he I've wanted him to be better in the playoffs. And you say that and people get mad at you. It's like, he's, what are you talking about? Like he can't do everything. He can't guard the perimeter and, and the corner three and the rim. And my argument's sort of been like, we, we, we say he's so good defensively. I think he can. And I think he should. <laughs> and I like, I don't, I don't think he should necessarily. I don't think that should have been the strategy, but I just think at his best, I've seen him able to do it. And the thing like, part of the reason I've always liked him so much. And part of the reason I, he is kind of my favorite player to root for of, of all time is that he does have very obvious flaws. Like he's, he's not super comfortable dribbling the ball. It's been a challenge to get his hands better as they've gotten better. He looks weird when he shoots. Um, but he, that hasn't bothered him. So many seven foot dudes have been afraid to do certain things and make their game better. And like the things that I loved is when he got spun around by Steph, he just worked at it. And now he's, awesome at guarding the perimeter and like he's he's worked at catching the ball better he had I, to me he's not been afraid of of looking dumb and like coming back and being a little better sometimes a little bit I mean I think Kristen would tell me that she gets bugged by the fact that he she thinks he wants to look cool too often but I mean I just think he's gotten better and uh better and like because he's flawed like I want to root for him but two years in a row in the playoffs like, okay, sorry, I'm, this is my rant, but where I wanted to go with this, I haven't gone back and watched this because guess what? I've got other things to do, but my memory is game two of the Clippers. The game came down to the end and I get that the Clippers weren't playing five out the whole time anymore. Kawhi wasn't out, so they didn't force it, but they put Bogey in a pick and roll like three times in a row with Rudy and Bogey fought his ass off to guard and Rudy covered up two people and they had like three stops in a row. And then the game ended with Rudy blocking Marcus Morris on a three. And to yeah. me, as like a Rudy fan. I was, it was like ecstasy it, that that was like, this is what I've wanted in the playoffs. And then when we got to game station game, I get that they asked a lot of him. Maybe he was hurt. It wasn't the same effort. And I know people talk about scheme or whatever. So I don't know, like there's part of me that like it does, I think he can still do that. I thought it was the same thing against the Clippers, or sorry, the Nuggets two years ago in game seven, where I thought he slept walked through the first half. And then the second half, he played with a crazy energy and like it culminated in him getting a dunk on a pass from Donovan to give us the lead with like 40 seconds left or something. And he was so fired up. And I was like, this is the dude. And then Jokic came down. He, he pivot, pivoted 12 times in the key and was in there for at least 10 seconds and then made a shot to win, and we lost by a point. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying there, other than the fact that he's not like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm saying that like there are people that seem to think he is in that upper, upper level. I guess I feel like he he's right there, 
he doesn't have that traditional skill set that you need to kind of be there. And, and that's why Donovan's so important to our team. But I also feel like the thing he's really good at, he hasn't been as awesome at as he could be when we've needed him to. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I, and I, I, that I, I'm trying, I'm always trying to find the right way to phrase it because I, I want to come out right. And I, I, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me he's the most elite, greatest defensive player in the history of mankind. And then just say, he's not supposed to do something extraordinary, right? We're acknowledging the fact that what we were asking him to do against the Clippers was out of the ordinary. We understand that wasn't fair or that wasn't normal, but if you're telling me he's one of the greatest to ever do it, we should be able to expect a little more from him in those situations. Now, do I expect him to do it for an entire second half? No, that's asking too much of anybody, but I'm with you where it is. You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't tell me he's the greatest ever, but then make an excuse every time he falls on his face, yeah. you know? And so that, that's the part where I get, I, I think I get my most frustrated with Rudy overall is there's this weird, there's this weird, this, he, he's just so polarizing. There's this weird thing where you have to praise everything he does wrong. And there were moments where, we were justifying one for two at the free throw line because it was a perfect true shooting percentage or some nonsense. And I said, I, I had to stop it there. I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like we all know that if you miss half your free throws in the fourth quarter, that's not a good thing, but it's just, it, it is, it's a weird place to be in. And it is asking something extra from me. I'm, I'm acknowledging that, but we're saying he's that great. Then I want him to step up and be great. Have your moment, be great. And I think it is interesting to watch in the playoffs that sometimes he has those moments. Whereas with Don, we were pretty, he's locked in usually in those big games from the second from the beginning to the end and so it's a it's a clear switch that's been flipped and it's just it's uh it's it, it's just there's there's a, I guess there's a lot to evaluate when you look at it and try to try to pull it apart but I, I'm with you I, I don't I, it's not saying Rudy's not great but you can't give him all the accolades and and then just expect then make excuses every time he doesn't do that and just just one more small rant that doesn't really tie into that but like it also loses its luster when every single year you tell you're telling me he has he's having the greatest statistical defensive season of all time, and tell me every year the Jazz are having the greatest statistical offense. Like you're discounting that by telling me every year it's those things. So um, I, I have my my mixed feelings about the stats community, but it's uh, it's just you know sometimes it's just okay that we expect more from them, right? So I guess that's the overall point. If you want to be great, then be great. And he wasn't great. That's all there is to it. And that and Mike, look, I mean, I'm. I'm pretty loyal. <laughs> he's done enough to make me it's, me saying that is not saying he can't be, or he's not going to get there. Or I want to trade him. I want to, I'm in, I'm invested in Rudy Gobert. I, I hope he's around and I hope he takes the next level. And to me, that would be the most fun thing that could happen as a fan. Um, and I think that's sort of the history of the NBA and really good players. And that's kind of what needs to happen. But no, I, uh, I, I think I think that's where you and I are lockstep in that that we don't see acknowledged anywhere on in in talk or social media is is development, because we're calling out someone now doesn't mean we don't believe they can get there and that's the difference is is, is in the way the world works now is you make a statement and that's a statement on the person of forever. No, I'm I'm making a statement that he has not done these things, and it's frustrating and I and I but I still that still doesn't mean I've lost faith that he can get there. But that's the funny part is you you are what you are forever now and you can't if you. It, it, no, I, I, that's the part I think it's undersold in all of this. Is I think he can develop and turn that. And I think that even back to the original question on the comments about Donovan, maybe he is like filling out his leadership style. Maybe he's like, you know, I've kind of sort of called out Donovan before, but maybe if I make a little more direct comment, this will get him a little more because we all know pissed off Donovan is good Donovan. I mean, yeah. that, that part we know yeah. is true. So, I mean, he's still learning. He's still figuring it out. And acknowledging his shortcomings is not a statement on him being terrible forever. It's just that's what happens. So let's just accept it. And we, I'll give him the accolades. Let's also take the accountability too. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that's that's what's fun about like the glimmer of hope that the like the Bucks bring to jazz fans and small market um, people all around is just the fact that <clears throat> we saw Giannis get. I mean, and we're, we've already said that Rudy isn't Giannis, but <clears throat> saw Giannis get the double MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Must Prove Player, but then like choke every year in the playoffs, and then see last year he finally pulled it off and. If they had lost to the Nets, we would still think of Giannis as the biggest playoff choker, and um, Chris Middleton is just good because he's in the East and different stuff like that. So I think I think that I think Giannis is a good comp though, because yes, I, we all we're all smart enough that he's not Giannis, but I think he's closer to a Giannis than he is a traditional LeBron, you know, cornerstone piece, and that his his skill set is very it's unique in what we're not you know you, you make the perfect beautiful like. In my mind, I'm a big wrestling fan. So like the perfect traditional wrestler looks a certain way, right? And so when you come in with a certain traditional, you know, cornerstone piece, Giannis had some very has very unorthodox parts about his game that we weren't sure. I mean, it was outside shooting wasn't good. He's kind of, you know, he kind of looks like that teenage boy who just hit puberty. He's still learning how to use his limbs sometimes. And so it's, I, I, I while he's not Giannis, I think the Giannis comp makes me feel better because he's not going to do the same things. But it gives me hope that an untraditional looking player can have success in the NBA because the NBA is very much tradition ridden. And if you look at the NBA, it's superstars and superstar teams winning a certain way the entire time. And that's why these guys critics are so invested in being lazy about the way they critique is because the formula has been right for 50 years. So they can sit on their same takes because it always works out a certain way. And so, yeah, while he's not Giannis in his game style, it, it, it does make me feel better again, not just a small market, but also that Giannis is not like, if you watch Giannis play basketball, like, it's not always pretty. It's kind of ugly too and discoordinated. And like I watch him, I'm like, Ooh, like watch Giannis pull up and shoot a three. Like it doesn't, it's, it, I'm sure it gives Mark like a seizure when he watches it because it's the <laughs> most unbeautiful release I've ever seen in my life. And I know we like the smooth, the smooth release. Yeah, and me, the, man. The I have a hard time. Player. I have a hard time with it. Someone could have like nine years shooting 40% from three, but if they, if it's Kevin Martin, I'm not, I'm not going to trust it. Any yeah. How, how would, what does the matrix do? You think about Sean Marin. What does that do to your whole life? Is that like, I was, that I, everything was up? broken. I was the Westworld GIF with Sean Marion. I'd just be like, it doesn't look like anything to me and not acknowledge oh, Good it. Lord, I don't even know how I'd just that. flip the channel to until I could find Alan Houston shooting threes. And, oh, and gosh, Alan Houston was a beautiful <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> He's a handsome gentleman all the way around, and his shot was perfect. Choker, um, but beautiful, beautiful player. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, <laughs> here's the thing about Rudy, um, too, is, yeah, what you said, like, unconventional. I think a couple of years ago, I was I was kind of getting convinced that how, how are the Jazz going to have successful offense with Rudy if he doesn't space the floor a little bit? And I felt like just because that's the way the NBA was moving, right? There was James Harden, there was Dame Lillard, there was spread it out, five out, and attack the rim. And, and we've, we've kind of seen they've made little adjustments on the pick and roll. He's got a better relationship with Mike now, but most importantly, better with Donovan and the way they time and find creases. And it's not the conventional spread it out and let Donovan get to the rim. But this was one of the things I was going to throw at you. And maybe, Doug, you can let me know what you think. One way maybe Rudy does infect others in a positive way is offensively. And I, I feel like talking about him on offense is the ultimate, like, minefield of, of people in one camp or the other. Um, but watching the team without him, I was kind of curious to see, all right, let's go five out, let's spread out the floor and let Donovan and Mike get to the rim. And I think I'm not, not out on that idea. I think they need more time getting used to it. But so far, it's... It's not a good, <laughs> like him not out there screening and moving and constantly going. 
It's like the one thing that I like his comparison. I think Draymond, offensively, he's different than Draymond. Draymond's a better passer, better decision maker. But he's also got a little stuff in the sense that if you watch, I've, I've tried to do this more this season. Rudy just moves all the time on offense. He's running and setting screens. He's running back. And for a dude that doesn't get the ball that often, that's pretty cool. And it's, it's the thing that I – and I think, I think he objectively over the past few seasons, dudes play better offensively when they play with him in the lineup because he's a good screen setter and he's selfless in moving the ball and getting attention. And that is, you know, that is one way that I think he does raise the level of others and that's maybe undersold. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to say Rudy's one of the 10 best offensive players in the NBA because he can't catch the ball <laughs> and, and create. And, and I, I sometimes get frustrated by a couple of folks in particular on Twitter who are like every Jordan Clarkson shot should instead be a Rudy Gobert dunk. And I'm like, it just doesn't basketball doesn't work yeah. that way. Cause Rudy only can dunk it when he catches it in a certain position, but I don't know. Any thoughts uh, there, Doug, on my Rudy offensive rambling? I, I think that's a good point. Um, Cause here I was, I was kind of feeling bad. I was obviously was just sitting back here thinking about what he how he doesn't galvanize on defense but i think because i think that's that's true he just cleans up the mistakes of others but i do i do agree with you just watching um he is moving a ton like sometimes i look at the jazz offense and i think about like donovan bringing it down and sometimes like mike or joe or boyan like the will just be in the corner for a good chunk of the possession it's like so much talent stagnated which i understand like the um spacing of the jazz and um how prolific we are the shooting three but um i do think i do think that's true that he does have a a positive he is a positive offensively even though he's not doesn't have the best hands or isn't spacing the court but i definitely think he's an offensive positive I think I think this is a perfect example of why the Rudy conversation is so fascinating because you're exactly right. And I hadn't thought about it till now. So like everything I'm asking for him defensively, which I don't even know if he's capable of, it's more about the other guys just pulling their heads out, right? But um you're right. Like offensively, like that's exactly what he is. He is exactly that part that makes everyone better. Now he's not again, he's not the traditional superstar in that sense that he's going to take over and run the offense, but I think he what yeah, you hit it right in there. What I, what he's making he makes the offense run so much better because he does all the things that no one wants to do he does the things that he, he like you said he's always moving he's setting the screens he's got his roll gravity which is my favorite thing um but he's just he does all those things that makes everyone else better and i think you're 100 percent right and i think again that's where things get over it's like that doesn't mean you need to push it too far like it doesn't mean like we all know like at some point like i would say the rudy the the, the rudy gives are and i've watched it closely this year too and to Rudy's credit, he's gotten better offensively every year. And I don't mean he's gotten like a better jump shot. Like he just, he's cleaned it up. There's not as many drops as before. He's also putting himself in better positions. He's not, he's not asking for the ball 15 feet out and doing weird stuff like that, right? Like he's, he knows his game and he's getting better at those things. And I think, you know, the, the, the big debate always is we don't give Rudy the ball enough or it's the, it's the guard's fault. And there's a whole other contingent that Rudy can't catch anything. It's a pretty good 50-50 split. Like, it really is. Like, if you watch the game, half of them are Rudy's fault, half of them is the guard's fault. Like, it's a pretty good balance yeah. between the two. And something I thought was interesting, and I think this is this may have helped to some degree, too, is whether it was – and this is just me shooting a theory out because I want to 
claim credit for something and be right. But Hassan is is so much better offensively with his hands, right? Like offensively, Mm -hmm. he's so much better. And it was weird because early on in the season, I don't normally find things that I that are no, I'm just normally glazed over. But like I was what like Mike Connolly was more comfortable, and so was Joe Ingles giving the ball to Hassan in places to score, and they weren't giving it to Rudy. And it was an interesting transition because they were comfortable giving it to Hassan, and he was finishing most times. And it was weird because Rudy would come in, they would just kind of you know circle back out and set the offense up again. And then as the seasons got on, it almost feels like. They are, and I don't know if it's just it's 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 just like the transitive property, like they because they felt good with Hassan, now they feel good because Rudy does get more touches. We still have those weird games where it's like, how does Rudy have three field goal attempts in the third quarter? Yeah. I don't, but that's just part of what the offense is. And that's just part of the way it flows. And I don't, he hasn't made the comments this year about feeling left out. That's the thing we talked about. Rudy has his staple comments. There's like four comments, right? Each year, one of them is defense isn't good enough. Second is I don't touch the ball enough. Then we go back to defense. Then it goes back to I don't touch the ball enough. <laughs> we haven't got we haven't got the Rudy I don't touch the ball enough thing. And I think he's fine with that. Like I think he he's happy where the offense is, and he doesn't. We've seen him be disengaged to where his body language isn't good, and he doesn't see. I, I think he's perfecting his offensive side as like the ultimate like small things guy. Like his offensive in, his offensive his offensive importance is the fact that he just does everything that nobody wants to do on a team that really does want to just kind of pound it and play isolation basketball. He's the perfect fit for that. And so it is, it's, I don't know, that, 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 that is always fun. I mean, Rudy is just, he's this constant evolving topic to where I'm like, okay, all right, now, all right. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I didn't think about that before, but now I am. He's the right, he's the right fit in that, right, in that spot. I just, the quick, I just. Many times. It wasn't just about the defense. Like, I think that, I think the offense, the offense was the problem against the Cavs, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting on that point when the Jazz played the Warriors, how Quinn Snyder talked about um, Draymond, as obviously we've already talked about Draymond, but as an MVP candidate, because it's almost like like Quinn educating the basketball world to think a little bit more like he does and like we're talking about here, um, just as far as understanding someone's impact without the traditional like eye-popping stats that we see. And so I think inadvertently he's giving like Rudy a compliment through giving Draymond Green a compliment. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I've not done the same. Draymond I'm... was a big fan of that. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> was. Yeah, Quinn's the greatest coach in the NBA. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like I've been in weird positions defending Draymond over the last few years in conversations with people too, just for that same reason. I mean, I think they they have a lot of similarities. It's funny that Draymond's been the one who's kind of criticized Rudy in a few times, so a lot of Rudy fans yeah. don't like him, but he is kind of the model. I mean, one thing that's interesting, back to your point, though, Logan, like the best defense, in my opinion, that I've seen in my lifetime was the whatever the last the first KD Warrior season was. That was 17, 18, 16. And not in the regular season necessarily, but in the playoffs when we played them in the second round, and yeah, George Hill's big toe was hurt or whatever, but it was the most like active long arms I can remember seeing. And you just couldn't break the paint because there was Draymond, Iguodala, and Kevin Durant fully engaged in wanting it. And I honestly think it was the best defensive team I've ever seen. And so like when we're in the regular season and it's like, we're statistically the number one or number two defense and we're watching the games and we're like, man, alive, we're friggin' Swiss cheese until Rudy saves us. So I don't know if that's on though. I don't know that Draymond was raising Iguodala and Kevin Durant's level. I think they had a freaking great roster um, of guys who were locked in at the right time. And you watch Draymond now and maybe what is he like 33 or something? 
he, maybe he's at a stage in his career he, and he's annoying, uh, but maybe he's at a stage where players are listening to him and he's able to pass on his habits a little better. I mean, when, when Kevin Durant first left I, Draymond, you know, he kind of got on and off hurt, but he wasn't anchoring the team. I mean, that's, that could be a part of Rudy's evolution too. And unfortunately, sometimes maybe you only get to that point if you can break through and have the kind of like, maybe Rudy needs to win a championship or get to a championship before people are going to listen to him as much on defense. I, I don't know, but to me, it's like that right now, I think the state of the jazz is this and not to make this a trade question for you two, but to kind of bring it back to where we are, I, this team is not the 17, 18 warriors last year. I, I don't think anybody in the right mind ever thought that the question was, were we good enough to kind of piece it together and get over the hump amongst a group of a, a more open field than it feels like we've had in a long time of teams that are really good, um, but also have flaws. And we sort of have like the easy to see flaws. We can give up a lead super fast because our perimeter defense sucks. And last year in particular, we couldn't punish small lineups. Um, but we also kind of could score in bunches really fast, maybe faster than anybody. It's why Doug and I, so like maybe annoyingly, maybe presciently, maybe somewhere in between, harped on that 20-50-50 rule all year because it just really felt like if the Jazz played their game they would wear teams down over the, like, as it goes. But the, the struggle was we, we weren't really good at, like, a singular possession necessarily all the time late in games. And I guess the, that's sort of the question here with Rudy, with Donovan, like, are we good enough with this team? Um, and that not having Rudy lately has certainly made the flaws look a lot worse. Um, I, I don't know. Are you, I mean, I guess the question is, Logan, maybe this is best for you since Doug and I are so often. Although I know Doug, you 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 talked to me pretty nuanced about this the other day. What do you guys think about um, trade deadline and how necessary a move is right now? Like, do you think this is so exposed where we suck that even Rudy coming back is going to be a bandaid on a problem that's not solvable in the playoffs? Uh, uh, um, since I'm on the twos and threes podcast, I'll go, I'll go silver lining. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> I think I think the silver lining here is the, the positive pull from this terrible stretch is it's pretty much exposed to everybody. There's nowhere to run and hide anymore. You can't you can't pretend like it's something that it's not. And so the last the last handful of games, while I don't believe it dictates the Jazz's future, I think it it pretty much puts everyone on notice. And there's nowhere, even though Quinn has attempted to kind of help them hide that with some of his comments, but there's nowhere to run and hide anymore. We we've those those perimeter players have been exposed defensively, and we've all known that. But the, I guess the upside is we were really are seeing what Rudy did. So I guess from my perspective is I would say I would say give it another. Let, let's see how the next couple of weeks turn out. I think the, the trade deadline is like February 10th or something. Um, I, I'm interested because not only is is uh, is Rudy coming back and everyone's kind of been put on notice. They've all taken their turns attempting to be leader and call, call each other out. So let's see what happens over the next couple of games. They got good teams on the schedule, too. And so let's see if that, I mean, we'll be able to tell if they're engaged defensively. That's easy to see. So um, I would give it just, you know, maybe another week or two to see how it goes, to see if these guys do rise up. Because I still do believe, and I'm sure someone can prove me wrong, which is fine. I still think that the defensive part is just a mindset and an, and an effort thing. That's not, and that, that just may be some of these guys just aren't willing to ever do it. Their game is their game and they're comfortable in their game. And so I would still give it a little more time to see if this, this finally does, um, 
does give them that final shaking that they need. I, I still I still sometimes wonder though. And that's always the great unknown is I'm never good at the trade game because I don't know what we get back. Um, yeah, and, one and, thing and I, I, I a lot of times fundamentally, I the, a good portion of me does say we need to make a move of some kind because I think that. I just don't know. We've seen Bohan defend in stretches, but also like if he defends great every night, is he going to be as great offensively? Like, I don't know what the trade-off is. And so it's just one of those things that I do tend to lean that way, but I guess I'm still got a little bit of hope holding out that maybe over the next couple weeks after everyone's been called out, they might rise up and do something different. Um, and sometimes I think that um, maybe if it's a move that's more and more on the margins, and I guess there can be a debate over who the margins are, um, maybe it just kind of shakes up everybody to – you know, what was acceptable before it wasn't, and maybe we get better engagement. I don't know. I, I, I guess I gave you no answer there, but I'm more, I, I, I guess we're running out of time. The, the clock is ticking. So on the we'll podcast or with the jazz season. Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you want to go ahead, Mark? Or no, no. Okay. Mark's ready to trade everybody. He's got his trade. He, he found his trade. <laughs> I will, here's a one, one thing. Mark's one thing. One thing. One thing. One thing. One thing. Now, I've obviously I've I've wasted a lot of like thumb typing on arguing that the Jazz on my phone on Twitter that they shouldn't make a trade, which I am. I don't even know at, at this point. Like, I guess it's mostly like two year, like two years ago. Wouldn't Daniel House be on like our list of dudes that we were thinking right. could maybe come in? Maybe this is something I wonder of systemically. Like, is this where we? Is this where perimeter defenders come to die? Like in our like, is there something we're doing that we're just saying empowering them because Rudy's back there or something? Because so far I haven't seen Daniel House do anything that like really moved the needle, but maybe that's why he wasn't in the NBA earlier in the season. But, but yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's the system because we with the one thing we've seen, especially over the last couple of years. I mean, Quinn's definitely taken uh, he's taken Jordan under his his wing, and like he he encourages Jordan even when he's struggling. Like it's a, it's a very conscious effort yeah. you see on the court, and it's a conscious effort in press conferences. And you see you see Quinn Snyder over the last few years get more mad when people pass up threes. Yeah. open shots than he does on defensive breakdowns because I think he's like he's been trying to shift that mindset right because so I don't know it's it's hard like how many dudes actually like give full effort on both sides of the yeah. ball like Jordan don't. Clarkson's a good example because why isn't he a good defender and I love Jordan but I like lately I've been watching a lot and it's like Jordan just put your put your arms out man like he'll just yeah. kind of move around like with his arm like he's athletic enough who, who doesn't think he's like one of the fastest dudes in the NBA. Like he can move laterally. The stuff that he does on offense is so creative. Like he could defend better, but, but yeah, maybe you just need somebody who's got um, that mindset in there and, and he doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp of like, can we just see more effort? Like that's, that's always been my thing too. And I guess that'll be what's interesting to see what happens before the trade deadline. Because if you think about the Jazz, I mean, we're not trading Donovan, we're not trading Mike, and those two dudes, um, from what we know, aren't like exceptionally long or exceptionally tall, and so they're not, I mean, going to ever be the best defenders straight off the bat just with, with who they are, and so than in any other type of an offensive scheme like say we say we went and got jeremy grant or something like that can they not just do like a pick and roll and switch away from jeremy grant you know 100%. Um, so I, I mean no i think that's such a good point because this is 
like that's the thing is like will that solve it swap in like let's say we do whatever picks non-rotational players and whatever and we trade joe for jeremy grant and we and we get put where the clippers are playing five out and they're healthy and jeremy grant's out there instead of joe ingles um for a stretch is that enough? Because <laughs> if they, yeah, if they if they put his guy in the pick and roll, they've got Rudy stuck in the corner, and like they just line up whoever in front of Mike and Donovan, or are they just gonna go by him anyway? I'm not saying like it's not worth, but and then and then is Jeremy Grant gonna be that much of a downgrade on the other end? And maybe some people don't think Joe is giving us that much right now, and it, it, some games it's easier to argue that he's not. I I think for me, like I think Boyan has played well enough and is so elite shooting and, and in his ability to score that I'd have a hard time like in our system, seeing somebody come back who we're realistically going to get, that would be a swap, maybe Harrison Barnes. Um, but I think the list of guys is, is pretty short because I think his elite elite offensive skills are kind of valuable to what we are. Um, yeah. I, I was definitely one of the guys who was on the trade Bohan train last year. Um, and I've never been more wrong. Um, to me, I think, to me, I think this may be a, this, I'm sure this is a hot take. To me, Bohan is more untouchable than Mike Connolly. Um, I think that just what he's done offensively this year, and obviously there was, the wrist issue was real. And I was just, you know, too hard on him because he was just inconsistent. But I think what he's provided offensively is, like you said, that flamethrower, that, that, that avalanche, he's, he, he's like the key to the avalanche. We call it the three point avalanche. Like he's the one who swings that so many times when yeah. he makes a couple threes back to back or he makes, two of the threes and offensively what he does is just, is just unbelievable. So, so I, I mean, I, I guess in my mind, I've already X'd Bohan out as he's in, he's in my untouchable category for this yeah, season. Me too. Um, just because of what he does. And I, and I really was impressed with what he did with Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs last year. He, he stepped up when he had to. Um, and I think that's, I think that's where I go back to, cause I, Mark, you, you, and you make a good point in that often I think like, okay, what does one defender do? Because I mean, we we sort of think that Royce is a good defender. I, I love Royce. I'm not going to criticize him because he's he's the guy who does yeah. everything no one wants to do. Like Royce is like, he criti- I I've never criticized him because I think he's asked to do too many things. Um, but you know, there are questions on what type of guy he defends better. You know, and so it's like this yeah. one, this one wing. So I I think I tend to often just wonder: is it the system or the scheme that makes it? Because I again, I don't understand. I'm not smart enough to understand how defensive works, but like you said, it like the Gordon Monson column, is this where perimeter defenders go to die? Like I, I, I often wonder too, what is one wing defender going to do to this? You know, like what is it going to change? Because they can just, again, switch or or scheme out of it or, you know, do different things. I I guess my, my, my default or my, I guess my one rebuttal would be that it's not necessarily about playing an entire game a certain way. It's just about doing it well enough for a couple of possessions to where the team yep. goes away from it. So yep. you don't have to like have like a small ball lineup or have Rudy punish a small ball lineup for half. But if you can make him punish it on three straight possessions, gets three straight dunks, then they'll get out of it. Just like a zone defense. How do you get yep. some out of a zone? You make three threes in a row and they'll get out of their zone. Yep. And so it's just, it's, it's more that way. But I, that's where I tend to wonder sometimes, like I just, I go back to it and, yeah, I don't know. Once, once, once we finish this Rudy discussion, my mind is already shifting to a Mike Connolly discussion. So that'll <laughs> well, be another episode week. we do down the road. Next week. I love Connolly, but I think I think some of the things we're talking about with Rudy and kind of unconventional superstars are interesting because I think that Connolly hits that category. I think the comment that sticks with me was early in the year, there's a lot of tweets about how Mike Connolly dominated the game without scoring, which is cool and fine. But anyways, I won't go on Mike Connolly rant. Yeah, no, that's I think there's I another mean, chapter here in this jazz. Like, it's just the jazz in the hole. We've got these 
interesting pieces that none of them are fi are finished yet. And so it's like, can we get them all to fit at the right time? Because if they can, then we can beat anybody. But it's like, there's got to be growth. And it's just... Well, it's, this is part of why, like, it's the back to that point you made, like, what historically wins. And it it's it's historically been, and even though Giannis is unconventional, he was this, it's been that dude dominating at the end. And, and maybe we have a lot of the guys who do... <laughs> or at least a couple who are really important like Mike and like Rudy that do a lot of the little things that affect the game without affecting the, or, you know, directly, but, but maybe aren't as good at in that moment of mm -hmm. creating the play um, when it's down, down, at, down to it at the end. I don't know. And one thing I was going to say on, on the one perimeter defender thing, I mean, part of it is Quinn's willingness to play people. Like I, I also think, I've seen a lot from Rudy Gay, and I get that the this is where I think advanced stats are misleading sometimes too, is that I know there's bad numbers with him at the five lineups and like there's lineups where he's struggled, but I'm just watching anecdotally and I see plays where he guards harder on the perimeter on a switch than anybody we had in that position last year. And I think, oh, I can see it. And I see plays where he gets it in the mid range and turns around and hits a little jump shot out of the post and kind of quells a run. And I'm like, okay, like this is a thing we didn't have. And I definitely think he and Hassan and Hassan's ability to punish small lineups a little better are things we didn't have last year. And I, but like, so maybe that I, I think the thing that I think is a valid argument, I guess, because I think Eric Pascal has been really good and I think deserves more playing time. And my, my, if I ruled the world, my first thing would be commandeering the jazz. And, and then I would figure out other problems, but I would just say, I like the group we have, unless, you know, there's always compelling things out there that I don't know about. Maybe there is, maybe some, maybe Danny would bring me a trade. And in, in spite of how much he bugs me, I would be convinced. Yeah. But I would just say, let's give some of Joe Ingles minutes to Eric Pascal. And maybe Quinn's just unwilling to do that. So maybe the argument for a trade is that um, Joe, he, he's putting Joe in too big of a role right now. And he's just not going to change unless we get rid of Joe. And I think there are a lot of people who would make that argument. And to which I say that bums me out because I like Joe a lot and I would like him to be around, but there's validity to it. In my opinion, I, I, I think he probably needs to be playing less than he's playing now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's hard to argue that he, it's, it's nearly impossible to say that he's consistently contributing on a night in night out basis. That's not to say he doesn't hold value in certain spots. So. It's, it's tricky with Joe. And that, that's the problem is with Quinn, maybe Quinn's his own worst enemy. You have to take the drug away from him because he can't stop. Put, he can't, he can't help taking the Joe drug. I don't know. I, I don't know if there was, that was an analogy or if that was just a factual statement. There was a lot, a lot going on there. And I liked it. There's a, there's a lot going on with Quinn, you know, if you, if you fire up the old Google machine. So, yeah. Um. Well, let's say like, we've been going a while. I could talk to both of you for three more hours, but my wife would get mad. So quick, quick. Uh, let, let me send you out on this. Like, like get your thoughts on this is, what do you think about just the point that in our Stockton and Malone, because we can't get out of that comparison in Utah, Donovan's our Malone and Rudy's our Stockton. And John Stockton was one of the best point guards to ever play. He had severe physical limitations. Like John, even though he made that famous last shot and was sometimes the most clutch player on the Jazz, had a hard time creating a shot for himself at the end, right? Like John wasn't Magic Johnson when we're talking about best point guard, and that's probably why Magic Johnson would, people would say is the best point guard ever. And I think there are people that argue that he was 
more important to the jazz or more important culturally. And like his plus minus was always like crazy. Even in, in his late years, it's like the first time I ever heard plus minus was like John Stockton played 28 minutes today. Cause Jerry was managing him, but they were like plus 40 when he was in. Um, and, but he's like a system and a floor setter and that could be Rudy. I mean, not saying Rudy's as good as him or, or whatever or not. Um, but Don, like ultimately, like we were going to win a championship if Carmelo was good enough, and he wasn't. <laughs> I guess it was, but he was close. Um, and, and we're going to win a championship if Donovan's good enough, and and that's why. Like one's maybe more important. Who knows? Um, but like our ceiling is Donovan, um, and and Rudy could make our floor really good. Do you think that's a compelling argument? And do you think that's a good enough argument that they should continue to be like foundation pieces going forward, or is it all? making comparisons just for the like i think that's pretty interesting um so my brain goes straight towards like the schematics of statue building so would rudy's statue be like a little bit smaller than donovan's also is that if like he's the john <laughs> no, just kidding um, uh i think i i think that's really interesting i I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it broken out that way when you texted me i mean obviously it's easiest to think about like big little like guard forward whatever um but in the sense that john had very specific skills and specific um things that he did to impact the game versus carl and scoring and yeah i i like that i could roll with it i was again like three years old when the jazz went to the the playoffs with john and carl so my my memory of that those days are They're more myth than reality anyways right yeah were they really was are they more than just a statue i don't know but the um i could roll with that i could roll with uh us having some some statues of them in the future after um they win the championship this year after all the turmoil of this podcast i mean logan do you think that's would you i mean whatever thoughts you have like already locked in the chamber but i'm curious if you think that's too generous or not generous enough of a of Rudy Gobert thing to aspire to be the John Stockton of our duo there. Yeah, no, I, I, you, I think you put it on Twitter uh, like a month or so ago too. And I think you yeah. lined it out perfectly. It was one of those head nod moments. There's nothing I can really add to it because I think it is, it's pretty dead on because John and Rudy have a particular set of skills that just aren't, aren't the normal piece. And and again, again, it is, that's kind of the same discussion we have with Malone is Malone going to show up in the playoffs or, you know, and, and same with Don. He's got these superstar moments, but Don has not – some of it's play design, some of it's him making shots, but we feel like Don can be that closer, but he has not been the closer yet. So it's like the like the comparables is kind of wild because one is one is the glue piece, but one is the one that ultimately gets you the title. And it, it is – I think I think it's a, it, it's just funny how they – they're not, like they've – the, the positions have flipped, but the stories are still the same. Um, so, no, I, I'm with you 100%. Um, one thing just I, I appreciate Doug acknowledging that he was younger when it happened and Doug here's the secret that no one wants to tell you like all of us Mark's age and younger we try to pretend like we know but like we were like 12 years old yeah, right. <laughs> your 12 year old brain you're a liar so these people go on and talk about they just remember John and Carl so much like they don't they're lying um, they just they, they're they're more in love with the myth too so unless you're like I don't know I'd say in your 40s none of them really know it's all it's all some nonsense they all try to pretend back and watch game clips of but I knew this was going to come up, and so I don't know if this gets to your point or not. I think right now, Rudy and Don are more Boozer and Williams, 
and I hope they get to Stockton and Malone levels, right? Like there's there's these little there's these little pieces. The comps aren't good at all, but as far as like the results, they're kind of in that same category. And it, it doesn't line up as easily because they're just such different players. But Boozer and Williams were, were really good, but also very flawed as well, too. So um, I don't know. I think that that's where they're at now. If, if this team doesn't do much this year, then we can't really look at them in that category yet. Right. So and the thing is, that the crazy part is we need them to be better than Stockton and Malone. As much as we love those guys, they didn't get it done. Yeah. You know. So that's that's the part we're all hoping for is they got to be even better than that. So that's um, so good. I, the, the comp is perfect. It is. And it's just, it's kind of funny how it's just all these years later, the story is still the same because none of the players are the same and the people involved are, but we've got this same confusing thing. The same people who are probably screaming for Stockton to shoot more, probably screaming for Rudy to get the ball more on the, you know, and dunk at every possession. So, um, and probably not saying nice things about Don and Carl when they're not looking. So my, my real question with the whole thing is like, does the guy, the pizza delivery guy to the MJ flu game, like, does he own like some Thai restaurant or something downtown or it's something a DoorDash just, like, guy now. Really, really spicy yeah. to like get to Kevin Durant in the finals or something like that? I, I call all your friends that work for DoorDash, Doug. You got to have somebody who's, who's doing it at night. Um, if you need something more than DoorDash or food, I know some people make deliveries of certain goods and services we can help. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, we'll pull all resources if we make it to the finals um i think the boozer darren quote's really good i remember when they were kind of one of their first playoff runs jeff hornacek was like an assistant coach for the team or maybe i was just listening to him in an interview and they were asking him about comparing them to stockton and malone and being like the modern and he was like look if you are going to ask either of them and they were honest, they'd both say they want to be better than, the, than those guys. And, and he's like, and I think they should. And that's where they are. And I remember him saying that and being like, yeah. And you know what, it, at, at the time, like, I don't think the most optimistic boozer fan would, would have thought that was going to happen. Um, but I don't know. Why would you put a ceiling on it? And man, he fell way short. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and Darren, that was always the hope though, right? I mean, that yeah, was Darren, you would have thought, Hey man, his first six years are better than John Stockton's first six years. And he's got a different kind of skill set. And, and you're right that there was the same kind of thing. Like Boozer was really elite offensively and nothing on defense. And could they make it up for it? And, you know, and, uh, you know, it flamed out. And, and I think it's, it's cool to be at a time where there's dudes that are, could be in, in that conversation. And whenever somebody says it to your, like your point on, like we mythologize these people, we don't really remember. And it's like, if I even suggest Donovan could be better than Malone, a bunch of people are like, you're an idiot. And it's like, well, I don't know, like look at their first before Malone was Malone. He wasn't, he wasn't him. And, um, and, and ultimately even he wasn't, you know, as good as we were hoping. So I don't know. I mean, I think this season has been a slog in a lot of ways. And once it started to finally feel fun, everybody got COVID and it's been as miserable as it's been. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. I've been kind of trying to reevaluate like what I'm doing on Twitter and my mindset about it. And I don't know, I'm like they, they, there's still more possibility there than there's been. I don't want to look at it through rose colored glasses, but I also, I also, I'm just sick of them coming up short, but I'm curious to see it. I think they, I think they have a real shot this year. A trade I think is a very high possibility, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. And uh, I don't know, man, for Rudy Gobert, once again, my favorite basketball player of all time, complicated dude. Um, Wish he wouldn't have said the thing about Devin Booker, but really don't care that much. And I hope uh, at the end of the season, he's the finals MVP.
What else can you say? Probably gets traded and I never see him again. Or there's people who are like, like uh, McCade, who's like, I hope he gets traded to the Raptors and dominates or something. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, go Uh, Toronto. Go Toronto. Uh, Logan, thanks for coming on, man. Anything, any last thing? Uh, We kind of just threw out all our segments today, but I, I liked it. So any, anything you need to, no, I, I appreciate you guys coming on and I, I've enjoyed having the conversation. I think that's what gets lost so much in here is just like, it's just so hard to talk with friends and have like intelligent conversations. And I, I think Twitter was my outlet for that for a long time. And then it's just devolved to a point where I still, I still see its value because it pro- provides me much entertainment. Like it's still entertaining to watch. I try not to get as emotionally invested, but I do still find it humorous to watch people lose their minds. But it just like, this, I've enjoyed chatting with you guys. It's just like talking with friends about sports. Like this is what we did growing up and like, at least in my current living situation, like the people I live with and I don't, none of them know about sports. They just want to, you know, carry guns and fly their Trump flags. So <laughs> they just want to hunt things and, you know, drink beer. All The beer part's fine. But I mean, I, I don't have any friends anymore. I can just talk sports with anymore. So I enjoy just having the conversation because that's what makes sport, sports so fun is we just, there is no like right or wrong answer. Some things are pretty easy to, to, to lay out and to figure out, but this is part of what makes it fun is not knowing the answer. And like, my mind's like already going. I know you guys got your system and you got your stuff going, but like maybe every once in a while we can just get together and like have these long conversations like about, you know, uh, you know, Mike Connolly or Quinn Snyder. Like there's all these different facets to this jazz team that are like, like touching points that are hard to have discussions on. So I've enjoyed having the Rudy one and I feel better about it now. I, I came away thinking about things differently than I wanted to before. And that's the whole point is to yeah. maybe have a discussion and, and, and it's okay to acknowledge that someone's not perfect, but it's also, that's, that's that's part of what makes us enjoyable. And we just we all want the same thing at the end of the day, which is a jazz championship, and that is why we're watching. So I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk and and ramble on. I'm the king of the ramble rant, so I apologize for infecting you guys with my. Once again, another thing that we're we're the same same on, and we loved every one of your ramble rants. I mean, yeah, uh, the mo- thing I'm most glad about is I think we solved all the questions about Rudy and got all the right answers, and everybody else can go to hell. But. Yeah, you're right. That's it. I'm just kidding. I mean, everything you said is right. Like, I, I don't know. I, we didn't answer any questions, but we talked about them. And it was fun. And uh, Rudy has to answer the questions. He's the one who has right. to answer them. You know, he's he, ultimately he's the guy who's got to figure it yeah, out. No, it's it's like another like hypothetical who wins out of BYU and Utah at the end of the season. And it's like, good grief. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> the, the hypothetical fights. But uh, I was just going to say now thinking about the Rudy Gobert statue and paralleling it with like Dirk Nowitzki's statue. And have you seen the like the stuff of Dirk's statue with the three basketballs? Yeah, yeah it looks like something else. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, is Rudy's? Does it have like three basketballs coming towards his hand, and he's blocking all three of them, or like what? I want you to workshop this. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to see sketch soccer guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, Logan, thanks for coming on. Doug, you're the man. Thanks, Logan. Uh, this was twos and threes. Thanks very much.